Hello and welcome to Trial by Podcast, a podcast series by McCabe Kerwood. I'm your host, Ivan Chan, and today we're talking about the use of drones and how they can affect your privacy. We'll begin this podcast with a short discussion of what drones are, followed by an example scenario of how drones can affect your privacy. And then we'll go over the potential legal issues and remedies you can rely on. So the first question is, what exactly is a drone? Well, a drone, more formally known as an unmanned aerial vehicle, or a UAV, is a flying device that can be remotely controlled by an operator or function autonomously. Traditionally, drones have been associated with the military. But over the past few years, they have been used in commercial and recreational contexts. For example, in search and rescue, commercial photography, surveillance, weather monitoring, and even firefighting. The versatility of the drone and its rapid commercialization have led to there being, as of December 2017, more than 5,780 drone license holders. Even more staggering is the fact that Australians are forecasted to spend $3.1 billion on drones between 2017 and 2021. Yet despite the utility drones offer to society, they're somewhat of a double-edged sword in that they can be used for more sinister purposes. To expand this further, let's use a hypothetical scenario involving a young lady named Judy. Imagine this. Judy goes for a late-night swim in a backyard pool, dressed in nothing but her birthday suit. It's a dark, moonless night, and all she wants to do is relax and let the day stresses melt away as she floats in the cool water. As she begins to relax, she suddenly hears a subtle buzz in the background. She tries to shake it off and ignore it. It's probably just an annoying mozzie and there's plenty of them around this time of year. But the buzz grows more persistent and insistent as his volume quickly escalates and his distance rapidly closes. To a horror, Judy spots a drone rising from the opposite side of the street. Worst of all though, it has a camera, trained and fixed on her with a telltale red light flashing as it records every move. Before Judy even has time to process what's happened, the little drone does his dirty deed and buzzes away into the night, leaving her red-faced in embarrassment. Faced with this dilemma, the next question is, what does Judy do? What legal rights does she have? And what causes of action can she rely on? Over the next 11 minutes, we'll be answering these questions by navigating what the Australian Law Reform Commission largely considers to be a fractured landscape of both Commonwealth and state legislation and common law causes of action. Faced with this situation, your first step would be to consult the Privacy Act 1998, which is a Commonwealth piece of legislation. And why not? The very name of the Commonwealth Act suggests you, as an individual, will be well protected. But as we dig a little deeper, we'll soon find out that there are several shortcomings under the Privacy Act. Schedule 1 of the Privacy Act contains 13 privacy principles which govern how entities should collect, manage, and handle personal information, with personal information including photos and videos that identify an individual. Unfortunately, the Privacy Act is not designed to protect individuals. Rather, it only applies to government agencies and individuals or organisations that have an annual turnover of $3 million or more. There is, though, an exception under the Act for media organisations if the Act was done in the course of journalism and the journalism organisation subscribes to an industry code of practice on privacy, for instance, the Australian Press Council. Unfortunately for Judy, 
unless the pilot controlling the offending drone spying on her turns over $3 million per year. It's unlikely they'll be subject to the requirements for collecting and handling personal information provided in the Privacy Act. Subject to some criminal laws in relation to surveillance, the drone pilot is free to use their drone to collect Judy's personal information and use it for pretty much any purpose. This stance is reinforced by Mr. Andrew Walter from the Attorney General's Department, who notes that the Privacy Act does not apply to the collection and use of personal information by private citizens and does not provide overarching privacy protection for the individual. Another statutory provision Judy might be able to rely on is Section 547C of the Crimes Act, 1900. This particular section makes it an offence for a person who is in, on, or near a building with intent to peer or pry in another person. There are, however, two issues that this provision raises with respect to drones. The first issue is whether the person is in fact in or near a building if they are in fact some distance away and operating a drone. As you can imagine, this would be a difficult threshold to overcome. Although some drones are limited to operating within 20 metres from their operators, more sophisticated drones can operate up to 150 metres away. The second issue is whether the drone itself is near the building when it is in fact some distance away and using a powerful photographic lens. If we refer back to Judy's case, the drone was operating across the street from a house, which may be considered far away from the building. So, in Judy's case, if the drone operator were to operate a substantial distance away from a house, and the drone itself being far away from the building, it'd be unlikely that Section 547C of the Crimes Act would be of any assistance to her. The next piece of legislation we'll look at is the Surveillance Devices Act 2004, which is a Commonwealth Act, and the Surveillance Devices Act 2007, which is a New South Wales Act. Unfortunately for Judy, both these acts will be of no assistance to her as they are primarily concerned with the installation, use or maintenance of a surveillance device within the premises of any object to record, visually or observe the carrying on of an activity. Since this unlikely Commonwealth or state legislation will provide Judy with a cause of action, we'll now see whether common law will offer her any relief. The first potential tort we will discuss, and I say this in inverted commas, is a tort of privacy. The reason I say this is because a common law tort for breach of privacy does not currently exist in Australian law. Despite this, the tort of privacy has been left open for development following the High Court's 2001 decision in Australian Broadcasting Corporation against Lena Game Meads in 2001. In this case, Justice Kalinin commented that, having regard to current conditions in this country and developments of the law in other common law jurisdictions, the time is right for consideration whether a tort of invasion of privacy should be recognised in this country, or whether the legislatures would be left to determine whether provisions for a remedy for it should be made. It is important to note, though, that since the ABC against Lena case in 2001, a tort of invasion of privacy has only been recognised by two lower court decisions in the 2003 Gross against Purvis decision in the District Court of Queensland and the 2007 Victorian case, Doe against Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Both cases were settled before appeals by the respective defendants were heard. Since then, no appellate court has confirmed the existence of a tort for invasion of privacy. Unfortunately for Judy, as of 2014, the Australian Law Reform Commission commented that the general consensus is that the likely direction of the future development of the tort for invasion of privacy is uncertain. 
Even though a tort for breach of privacy does not exist, Judy may be able to rely on more conventional causes of action, namely trespass to land and the tort of private nuisance. The tort of trespass to land states that a person trespasses on another person's land, they voluntarily exceed their invitation on the land either in time or in purpose. Since the 1978 case of Bernstein against Skyviews General Limited, it has long been established that the right to sue for trespass to land applies to both interference on the surface of the land and infractions of the airspace above it. More specifically, in Bernstein against Skyviews, the defendant, Skyviews, flew a Cessna aircraft and took an aerial photograph of the plaintiff's house. The plaintiff alleged that in taking the aerial photo, the defendants had trespassed in the plaintiff's airspace. Importantly, Justice Griffiths held that a plaintiff's right to sue for trespass to land is limited to such height as is necessary for the ordinary use and enjoyment of the land and the structures upon it. Despite the decision in Bernstein, Judy faces several limits in bringing a claim for aerial trespass in the context of drones. Firstly, Judy can only bring a claim if she has a requisite title to land to sue, that is, ownership of the land or having exclusive possession of it. For instance, if Judy owns or leases a property, she can bring a claim. However, if she was only, say, a guest or visitor and exercised no control over the property, she would be unable to bring the cause of action. Additionally, the drone must fly over Judy's property. If it were to merely fly above an adjoining property to spy on Judy, there would be no grounds for a cause of action. Secondly, it is important to consider what height the drone actually flies at. If the drone reaches a height above what could be necessary for the ordinary use and enjoyment of land, then the claim cannot be brought. Using what we've discussed, let's go back to Judy's case and see whether she can rely on a claim for trespass to land. If you recall, the offending drone was flying on the opposite side of a street and not over the property. This means the drone was not entering the land and therefore Judy cannot bring a claim for trespass. The next tort we shall discuss is a tort of nuisance. In the 1894 English case of Hold against Chard Union, the tort of nuisance allows an owner of a property to enjoy the use of their land without interference. Private nuisance is committed where one person substantially and unreasonably interferes with another person's right to the use and enjoyment of their land. In the 1985 New South Wales case of Bathurst City Council against Saban, Justice Young considered whether the act of taking a photograph of a person's property amounted to tortuous conduct. In that case, Justice Young stated that, as a general rule, there is nothing to prevent a person taking a photograph of another person's property. However, there is an exception where the photograph is of a person in an embarrassing pose and has been surreptitiously taken and published. Whether a tort of nuisance can be brought depends not only on whether the person was in an embarrassing situation, but also the duration and frequency of the filming. Tying this back to Judy, it is unlikely she can rely on the tort of nuisance, seeing that the drone only filmed her once and for a short period of time. Had the drone come in and on, say, a daily basis and filmed her for hours at a time, then a claim might be possible. But this isn't the case here. So there you have it, all the possible causes of action Judy can rely on. As we've discussed, it's quite unfortunate for Judy because it appears that Australian laws have failed to keep pace with this brave new world full of drones. She can't rely on legislation as a Privacy Act does not apply to her. Neither can she rely on common law. Not only is there no tort of privacy, but it is unlikely that a tort of trespass on uses would apply in a situation.
For now, we can only recommend that Judy skip her weekly skinny dips or perhaps build a bigger fence. Thank you for listening to the first Trial by podcast from McCabe Kerwood for 2019. If you haven't done so already, please listen to our previous episodes on iTunes or SoundCloud. Remember to rate us so other students and law enthusiasts can find us and listen. Tune in next month to find out from my colleague, Steph Andrews, on what happens to your Facebook profile when you die. Thank you. Thank you.